0: I know it's got us recording. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Ristali back for another Breaking the Fourth Wall, episode 130. And I'll tell you what, guys, I'm looking forward to this one. This, I've already been sitting here talking to this gentleman for about 20 minutes. We're hitting it off. We're talking about sports, even though, you know, I, I got to give them hell because since we're talking about New York versus Philadelphia, I did forget to bring up one thing, and that's I will never forget the, forgive the New York Rangers for taking away Eric Lindros. <laughs> mr writer director producer mr thomas churchill thomas how you hey. doing hey hey how you doing
1: how are you right
0: i'm telling you i'm not going to forgive that eric lindross was a was a flyer till the day till the day he dies
2: I got to say shit happens. Yes, it does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So as, as Uh, we pointed out, you obviously live in LA, but you started, you you started life in New York. We were just talking about, but uh, growing up in, on, you know, in, in Queens and, and Brooklyn, New York, what led you towards the film career? What, what started you into the idea of writing, directing, and producing? And more specifically, which one was the one that targeted you towards that goal to begin with? Like, was it, you wanted to be a writer, you wanted to be a director? What, what was it?
2: I wanted to be a, uh, I wanted to be a, a garbage man
0: and uh, no, I'm kidding.
2: Uh, I wanted to be
1: a an actor.
2: Um, I had the love for the actor at an early age. My parents, uh, I used to watch TV shows and uh, imitate them, you know, whenever I was watching the shows and do all, all their dialogue and we'll go to movies and come back and, do a little one man show for my, my family. And I really got into the whole acting thing and I loved entertaining people and making people laugh and put, you know, smiles on their face. And, um, my parents, uh, pushed me a little bit to go into, uh, some acting. There was a, there was a movie being casted in New York and they were looking for a certain type of character and my parents thought I'd fit the bill so they brought me down to audition and out of uh, a sea of people i was in the top 5 for this major motion picture in new york okay. um and i was really excited about it you know got my first picture in the newspaper and i uh, got all you know talking about this movie and Next thing I know, they casted uh, uh, the, the, the main actor's father. And I looked nothing like that actor. So I didn't get the role. No. But I had the acting bug in me. And right. it wasn't for uh, a few more years after that. You know, we did some plays. We did, uh, I say we because I felt like it was like Camp Churchill. You know, my parents were pushing <laughs> me for certain things. So I did some plays. I, I, I did school plays um i uh music videos but it wasn't until i was 16 years old where i really convinced my dad to buy me a video camera because i wanted to make a movie i wanted to showcase my talents as an actor but i was always writing i was always writing even as a, a, a elementary school and and preschool I got an award that said Doctor of Storytelling. How oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was pretty uh, ironic that that was, the, that was the career. So I always wanted to write. I was always creating. And so I wrote this character, wrote this movie, and convinced my dad to buy a camera where I had to go out and go get a uh, part-time job so I could work the camera off. My father wanted to teach me uh, – Lessons in, in in getting this gift, because at the time a video camera was very expensive.
1: Hmm.
2: Uh, it's not like today you can just pick them up for a couple hundred bucks or whatever. This is this was this was an expensive video camera at Sears. Right, <laughs> going way back, <laughs> and uh, and it was uh, it was like the best gift I ever got in my life. I treasured it. Uh, and then I fell in love with putting this project together. So I actually learned how to be a producer. I put all these things together because I wanted to bring this script to life that I wrote. Okay. So that's the producer's job, putting everything, getting the right people, the locations, or who's going to do what, the music, blah, 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 everything, you know, just laying everything out. Then I, did, then I started uh, directing on that particular film. Uh, telling everybody what to do, where I want to go, blah, blah, blah. Next thing I know, there was a little film festival. We entered that movie, and it became, uh, it won. It won uh, top prize. Uh, You know, best uh, young filmmaker uh, out of Queens on this, 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 this festival that was going on. And that was the bug that bit me. And I just didn't love acting anymore. I mean, I loved acting, but I just love the the you know because you know you know it's Chris. I mean, the only way to say it is writing, producing, and directing, and getting everything you want is the closest thing of kind of peeling off your brain and showing someone your thoughts. No, I get because I get, I get that it, it's 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 so intimate when you're writing and you're doing everything and you bring it out and then when people watch the film there this is came out of you you know and it's like becomes like a child you know i mean how you look at a child and like hey i made that so i was uh, at 16 years old i was i was on this cloud like oh my god i made this movie it was in the newspapers it gave me some buzz it gave me some notoriety uh taught me a lot of lessons and i realized
0: that's what i want to do what was the film the warmaster what was it about like tell, lead, lead me back to the 16 year old uh budding director and and producer and writer what was what was the film
2: my film came out about a year and a half before a tv show called 21 jump street okay my my film was about these young kids that became teenage cops and they were looking for drugs in their neighborhood And they came across a street gang, and in the street gang, they have as uh, we learned, uh, the leader of the street gang ended up killing this one kid's family many years ago. So it's kind of a revenge flick, but it's also a uh, a pretty pretty cool film. Here's a little side note. So the War Master got remade down the road when once I started realizing what I could do. Right. So, wait. War Master and Warmaster Master Two was also entered in a film festival and won. Um, I ended up marketing it myself to all these local video stores, making these copies because every copy was was an original because you had we didn't have the technology
1: mm-hmm. like
2: you do today, where you can edit on your phone. We had none of that crap. Right. There was two VCRs, a stereo, some wires. And boom. That was it. That's what <laughs> we can afford. <laughs> um, full size VHS mm-hmm. uh, so I, every
0: I was, all through my yeah. head right now I keep thinking of the 16 year old holding the camera and I'm remembering yep. the first video camera my family had which was that, that over the shoulder RCA that's all I keep that's thinking. what I had
1: yep. I
2: had an RCA <laughs> because the camera before that it came in two parts there was this camera all this wire and there was this bag that hung on your shoulder with a VCR <laughs> so that's where at that that was the one of the first prosumer video cameras. Then RCA took both technologies and made this amazing, beautiful RCA camera, and the color was always so vivid. It was great, mm-hmm. and it was like to me somebody gave me a, a red camera at the time. I was like, oh my god! And I think my dad, I think at the time it was like twenty one hundred dollars. That yeah. my, father, my father spent the money on, and I had to work it off. $2,100 on that camera then is probably equivalent to going and buying a, a $15,000 uh, uh, computer at, for, from Apple. Yeah. You know, with the bells and whistles. And so, so we made Warmaster. Then Warmaster 2 was called Intrigue Warmaster 2. Um, a little darker storyline um this one was about um uh child pornography and kids getting kidnapped Seven, 16 wow. 17 18 year old this is the mind like where where is this coming from so um i a little trivia so i remade those movies as an adult to a movie called devoured a system devoured actually was the first one right. a system devoured uh, won the New York Film Festival in 1999, so I was I had some luck with this character and this story, winning film festivals. So then we did. Uh, I, I I ended up getting it distributed, and that was the first film that technically got out there. It was a director's cut, kind of called Devoured. That did pretty good. Um, crazy looking, but pretty good because I'm no editor, but I I did right. the editing. Um, So I've been toying around uh, with a concept that I've decided to go back and re remake, not remake, um, reboot, I guess. But I'm going to take a lot of what was done with this character over 30 years because I I played this character five different times in my career as an actor. I'm going to go back. I'm going to take a lot of that footage, and I'm going to redo a new movie with it. And the name of the film is called Chinatown to Chinatown. And uh, that looks like it's going to go into production probably mid. It was supposed to go this year, the end of this year. But with COVID and everything else, all my my slates got pushed a little bit. Um, So that is going to go into production next year. So I'm pretty excited about that to revisit that role
0: now now we're revisiting that role and kind of rebooting that that franchise which i I, for lack of a better term i'm going to call it a franchise i consider more than one film franchising um Mm -hmm. are with the rebooting are you still going to put it in its uh nostalgic base in other words are you going to put it in the time frame that it was originally set or is it going to be modernized for like the modern gangs and the modern day technology and
2: All I'm going to say is without giving away a little bit is you're going to see me age 30 years on film without CGI.
0: Okay. All right.
2: So Got it. so <laughs> there, so people are going to be like holy shit was that was that just him in that, you know. Now I've I've done some acting over the years. I uh was very selected with certain th- roles. Somebody asked me to do I'll do. But I really got comfortable, you know, in the writing, directing, producing element. And um, I pop up in movies. I was in a a movie called uh, Mr. Hush. I was in a movie called um, um, Syndicate Smasher. Um, Samurai Cop 2 I was in. Um, I was in a family movie opposite uh, C. Thomas Howell in a movie called The Rack Pack. So certain things, if I feel when they ask me, when the producers say, Hey, I got a role for you. And if I feel it, I'll do it. Um, but otherwise I, I, I'm not, I don't have that, that fire that I had to say, Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta play this role. Right. I love acting. Let me, let me, let me, let me me not make it. I love acting and I enjoy acting, but I, I so enjoy the producing and the directing and the writing. But when I do Chinatown to Chinatown, I'm going to go back to enjoy the acting because it's revisiting an old friend. It's revisiting right. something that put me on the map. It's revisiting something that, you know, people uh, was my first movie. You know, The War Master was literally my first film. Um, it got me notoriety, got me newspapers, it won me awards, it won me film festivals, it, it got me to another level. Then that sequel got me to another level. Then the remake got me to another. So something inside of me has been telling me to do this for years, and uh, now's the time, you know. So I'm gonna. I'm. Uh, it's gonna. It's going into production, where we're still tweaking the script a little bit because I want that script to be good. Because anybody that knew me or followed my career will really enjoy this film and then anybody that never met me or don't know nothing about me is going to think the movie's pretty cool because right. of what we're doing you know well
0: the, so, best, the best way i could come to it is like the only thing that keeps coming to mind right now and yes i'm a huge mark for for this guy's uh filmography uh what 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 it, what is what's being very similar to me with your career i would say it would be like kevin smith and his constant revisiting of like clerks
2: well, Obviously, yeah, I mean, style, with, mostly, but... with clerks, you know, yeah, but I, I mean, in, in between me and the war master and Devour of Chinatown of Chinatown, I've had a, I had a pretty good uh, run so far, you know, I mean, I've right. done, uh, I've done action thrillers, I've done horror thrillers, I've done family films. Uh, I got four movies coming out this year. Uh, one is called uh, Big Freakin' Rat. It's a creature feature. It's a throwback. It's a fun film. It doesn't take itself serious, but it's not campy. It's not cheesy. It's not like a, like a Shocknado. You know, Shocknado was probably fun the first time you watch it. No. And, I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and trust me, but, I'm a person who likes B-Rates, all right? Evil Dead is still the greatest horror movie ever. Uh, dude, movie of uh,
2: Evil or, Dead is
0: a becca. It's a, horror, amazing horror. Or killer Clouds from outer space for, for uh, a little bit of camp, but still just a classic. With the popcorn guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when when you say genius. Sharknado, I can't help but groan. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, big, well, big freaking rat. If people go out and buy uh, the Fangoria magazine that's out now, um, I, I heard it might be its last one. But we're in, well, we're, we are in print in Fangoria on page okay. six. They talk about big freaking rat um I was very excited I wrote it produced directed the film um think Jaws meets Friday the 13th with a rat
0: nice <laughs> uh, so that's fitting. that's fitting since Jaws is celebrating his 45th year too so
2: <laughs> yeah and uh, Jaws Jaws is such a, a, a you know great one of the greatest filmmakers ever to step foot on this planet Spielberg mm-hmm. you know I mean Hitchcock before him and, and Austin Wells is, was, was amazing. I mean, everybody out there now is pretty good, but come on, Hitchcock and Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Think about everything you know about cinema initiated from these guys. Oh, so, really? Let me rephrase that. Go back, Austin Wells, his Citizen Kane, a movie that was done in the 30s. Mm-hmm. He was doing all these shots these trick shots and everything else that back in the day, nobody ever seen that. But it's standard today. You know, the two shot, the dolly in, the push in, the tight frame, the, you know, an extreme close up, you know, the dolly up, the dolly in. You know, mm-hmm. nobody's done that. Even if you watch The Wizard of Oz, The Wizard of Oz don't even have that.
1: No, it's and then here's,
2: And here's just 26, I think he was 26 or 24 year old when he came out. The movie's terrible. I mean, it's probably one, I mean, as a story-wise, it is so boring. Right. Uh, But it's shot amazing, and it's just lays such groundwork. I mean, think about it. You watch a whole movie for two and a half hours. You're pulling out your freaking hair because it's just syrup moves quicker, and you find out the whole movie's about a damn sled. (laughs) <laughs> Great, uh, never getting those two hours back. But you know, it was shot wonderful.
0: Well, I, I've so, said that. I've said that a lot. Of, a lot of the cinema of today, everything, everything that happens in film, and even it, I think it cross promoted outside of film too, uh, can be accredited in my mind to four directors. Four directors changed the face of cinema, all pretty much at the same time, and and everybody's been kind of following suit with it ever since. And Spielberg, obviously, is one of them. I would say Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, and, of course, George Lucas. George Lucas. Yes. Yes.
2: There is one more guy in that group that doesn't get a lot of much respect, but he came up the same time. You ready? I'm ready. Brian Brian De Palma.
0: I always forget Brian. Yeah, you're right. I do. I feel bad now because I always forget him. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it was Brian De Palma that told George Lucas, because George Lucas, Spielberg, Scorsese, and Francis Ford Coppola were all hanging out. And George Lucas showed them Star Wars, and nobody understood it. Mm-hmm. And it was Brian De Palma that told him well, maybe if you do some sort of like beginning, like with words, just explaining, or like a crawl, you know, have it going out into space and just tell a little bit of the story what it needed yep that's what it needed you know i mean because you think about it uh, from what the rumor was uh george lucas when he got his chance you know he did a thx and then he did american graffiti
1: mm-hmm. and when
2: the studio said why don't you do another movie he brought them nine stories nine scripts three scripts were done and the rest the six of them were treatments and he's like yeah this is what i want to do so the studios laughed at him they said we well, ain't doing all those they may suck. <laughs> Pick your best one, and he was smart. He went right for the middle, and he pulled out number four. Yep. because that already is set in motion. Something already happened before. We don't know the Death Star, the this, the Death blah, blah, blah blah blah. You know, and there it is.
0: There it is. And and Genius. and, and I, I appreciate the fact that you know. What I, what I know, but a lot of fans always want to fight and argue, is that Lucas did have all nine films, the, all, the whole Skywalker saga, in mind from day one. From day That's one. why he was angry with
2: the last three.
0: Oh, yeah, because they threw out what he had in mind. And yeah. you know what? actually, I, I, I was saving this for a different episode or a, a different show, but I'll bring it up to you because I want to get your opinion uh, with, with uh, Disney right now and Lucasfilm talking about its rumor. I don't know how substantial it is.
2: Real, it that, happened.
0: That they want to retcon seven, eight and nine. No,
2: I thought you're going to say that uh, Kennedy's gone. Kennedy's gone.
0: No, I'm happy Kennedy's gone, but uh, as far as the, the rumor of them wanting to retcon 7, 8, and 9, acting like it never happened and then reshooting it. I, I, I hear that. I don't hear that. Th- that's the rumor going around right now. I don't hmm. know how true it is, but as, as, a, as, a, as an opinion piece, personally, I think that's a terrible idea. And I'll explain why. No, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of that trilogy, although it's Star Wars. I own them, I'll continue to own them and watch them. I don't think it's a good idea, and this is the reason why I don't think so. One, the story's already there. Two, you can't just ignore that it happened. Two, <clears throat> if you tried to reshoot 789 in some way, shape, or form, you lose Carrie Fisher, you lose Peter Mayhew, you lose Kenny Baker. We've lost these people. They, they died. We can't get them back. You'll never get Harrison to put on the Han Solo costume again. And Luke, uh, Mark Hamill, I'm sure, is so jaded from his experience from his trilogy, he won't come back. So you lose everything. I say build off and build 10, 11, and 12 and finish the, finish the story the right way.
2: There's where um, – I didn't hear the rumor about that. But I did hear uh, Kennedy's gone. Lucas is back in he's, – he's back in the, the helm. J.J. Abrams is in the fold. And they're, they're going forward to develop the rest of the universe. Um, I heard the Skywalker saga's finished, except for they're gonna revisit um certain elements from it based on uh which is going to their Disney Plus station. Right. Um I noticed three new movies coming out from Ryan Johnson, which uh I I think Ryan Johnson's a great visually filmmaker. I think he's awesome. Um I just thought he uh he he, he killed Star Wars.
0: But um, I, but in but I don't see, see. I don't this point is, at him that way, though. I don't point well, at. Well,
2: this is how this is how I, I'm going to argue with you. Okay, uh, go
0: ahead, please. So, so,
2: <laughs> episode four, five, and six were amazing films. Right. George wanted to go back. Now think about it. George created it. He wrote it. Mm-hmm. Br- brilliant mind.
1: Mm-hmm. But if
2: you watch episode four five and six the weakest one is episode one well i would say return of the jedi then episode one empire strikes back is like the crown
0: jewel oh of course without question
2: when he went back and started to do the seek the prequels okay i was excited i was all my god this is is gonna be great where we see everything where everything Mm -hmm. the problem with the seek with the prequels were it looked too cartoony there was too, too many cutesy shit things in there that we didn't need. Uh, and then everybody says, well, you know, they're made for kids. Think about when you were, how old when you saw the other three? True. But they, you want them to stay the test of time. Episode one had so much cool stuff in there, but there was so many ridiculous things in there. You didn't need an 11-minute podcast, scene. Episode two, oh, my God, can somebody give me a pillow? Because yeah. that movie was just so long and boring. I don't remember anything in episode two. I usually watch these movies over and over and over. I can't go back and watch it because it just. I'd rather watch paint dry. <laughs> episode three was probably the Empire Strikes Back of that trilogy. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, I think George Lucas surrounded himself with a lot of yes men. And everybody's like, oh, great idea. Oh, great idea. Oh, and we'll make John job big. Oh, great idea, great idea. Nobody said, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. Do it this way. Do it this way. Okay, fast forward. We, we go 20 years with the prequels. People hate it. This guy gets bitter. He gets pissed off. He decides he throws this crazy number at Disney. Disney says, we'll buy it. So he got kicked out. Now you get J.J. Abrams stepping in. This is where J.J. drops the ball now. okay. People like, oh, seven was great. Seven was good. Because think about what you just went through. You went through a trilogy of prequels that sucked. So you needed something that looked good. It looked like Star Wars. It was practical. All the elements were there. But it was kind of a rehash, reboot of episode four. Right. But we accepted it because it was new. And it was brand new. It had actors. It had seats it had locations it even had the friggin millennium falcon that you can walk and touch and say hey look at this it's here (laughs) this is where jj dropped the ball you had an opportunity to take this original cast put them together in one or two scenes and hand off the damn trilogy to these four people that nobody gave a shit about for the rest of the three movies you had this chance. You make D Dito go into a coma to the end of the movie. Luke comes out of nowhere and just stands there and grabs his lightsaber in the last minute. Princess Lair, you know, Han Solo. I mean, where, who, who was writing this? And who didn't say, how come we can't put them all in one scene? And, you know, have like one last adventure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Think about it. It would have been great. Fast forward to episode eight starts off amazing we're looking at a war a battle that we never seen before in a star wars movie The colors and everything else is like wow this is good all of a sudden we see princess leia die and she becomes uh mary poppins okay but she was still alive during the making of this movie
1: Mm -hmm. mind you Mm
2: -hmm. you know then, then all of a sudden, you're watching it, and there's just things in there. It was like it feels like a little bit of an Empire Strikes Back ripoff. Then Luke Skywalker is all this bitter old Jedi. Where you know? He's like a crazy hermit. Throws his father's lightsaber over his shoulder, like he don't care. I, I, I couldn't invest. I, I, saw it in the movies. I thought it was good because right after the movies, they had q and A Q&A with Mark Hamill and Ryan. Uh, Johnson and I was all excited I tried talking about it with my buddy when I saw it and and it was just we were starting to get angry at things we didn't understand Mm -hmm. I saw it again with another friend he fell asleep (laughs) I I, I forced myself to watch it and I was like I don't like this movie there's something wrong with this movie why don't I like this movie I watched it on Netflix I shut it off after five minutes I can't watch it now you go forward to episode nine. How? How are you going to cram all this crazy, uh, non-linear things that happen in episode episode eight? You're introducing new characters. You don't do that. Episode eight, we're winding down. We're supposed to wind down. We're ending. We got another movie. We're ending. We don't need to go into a casino that we don't, we're never going to visit again. Right, We don't need to see all this stuff that makes no sense. You're putting characters in the movies that nobody cares about. And then, you, you know, you, you kill off Han Solo. No, he died in the other one. But then you got Luke Skywalker, all bitter and all, oh, he's dead, then he dies. And it's like, it's a Skywalker trilogy. It's a Skywalker movie. Why are you killing this guy in episode eight? Right. And in the worst thing, why... You have the technology. You can take people's faces off of everything. Why didn't you just switch the bodies of Laura Dern and Carrie Fisher? Carrie would have went out like a, like a hero, where she turned around her spaceship and just went headfirst and blew everything up and I've saved it. I've made
0: that argument. I've made that argument.
2: Oh, my God. Then using old footage from episode seven to try to tell a new story that is all over the place in episode nine? It, it broke my heart. I mean, I was so happy with seven, even though it was like, I, had, I feel like it, this is like I've seen this already. But mm. I liked it. And then eight killed me. Nine was like, what am I watching? What, what, what was you, out of all the villains? Okay, where was where where was he? Where was where was the emperor all these years for forty years hanging up like a big spider? Who put him in that machine?
0: By the books, you'll find out that way. I ain't <laughs> reading, that's what they're, that's what they're going to do. But no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. But my, my, my stance and my point of the, of the, 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 sequel trilogy is that the story has been told. I agree with you. Episode eight. Well, the problem with the sequel trilogy was that they did Kathleen, whether it was Kathleen Kennedy or JJ Abrams, they were stupid in turning around and saying, instead of having an overall story arc of all three films so we know where it begins and we know where it ends and uh, you know no matter what filmmakers are doing what scene it will <clears throat> end here as it's supposed to be because that's the whole story instead they right. said okay JJ you got 7 Ryan while he's filming 7 go ahead and write 8 write what you want to write do what you want to do it's okay do your thing and then i forget who originally was slated for 9 you get you get what's left there JJ comes in after eight's a complete flop to do 9 and right. he's got to spend half the movie retconning what Ryan Johnson did because Ryan's not keeping with what J.J. had in mind in 7. The major problem with the, with the sequel trilogy was that there was, like you said, there was no continuity. There was no linearship in the fact that somebody didn't turn around and say, okay, we're starting to film here. By the end of this trilogy, it's got to reach here. Well, not just the trilogy,
2: Chris. You got to think about episode 9. You have to put a big bow on... Eight previous movies. Mm -hmm. So you have to wrap up every detail. If you're saying nine is the end, and we're we're done. We're done with nine. We're set, No more. We're finished. It has to be done. It has to be finished. You can't leave things open like, hmm, I wonder. Oh, is she gonna be the new when she's like when at the end of the film when they say, and what's your name? I'm Ray. Skywalker. And it's like, okay, so what are we doing here, people? We didn't know who she was for all this time. She's this person. She's the Empress Grant. Come on. The Emperor's granddaughter
0: here. I called that, by the way. Uh, I called that in episode seven. I said she's a Palpatine. I said she was either a Palpatine or Kenobi. I said she was the granddaughter of one of them. I I did call that.
2: (laughs) I heard in the book the the sky. uh, um, uh, what's his face? The Solos supposedly had twins. Someone said, yeah, they got twins. They also had twins. That would have been great. But then you yeah, had a little craziness, kind of like what Luke and Leia did. She kissed him, and he's like, oh, he's all happy. And then you realize, oh, my brother and sister.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Same thing.
2: But, but there's this, there's this uh, I think he's an amazing actor. But he's the poor man's Jeff Goldblum. You know, as, uh, um, um, uh, I can't even remember his name uh, in the film.
0: Uh, Kylo, Kylo Renner. Oh. Oh, okay. Adam Driver.
2: Yeah. Great actor. I loved him in, in uh, The Black Klansman. It was just brilliant. Brilliant. But with Star Wars, like Episode 7 started all these storylines. You know, the, the the Knights of Ren, and then all of a sudden, like we said, in 8, we're like, yeah, hey, we're not going to talk about the Knights of Ren. We're not going to talk about this.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, you want
2: to know who Snoke is? He's nobody. He's just a rich guy. That's it. But he has a lot of powers. What? <laughs> you know what you gave him you're giving him marks like if he was Darth Vader like you know that's Mr. why I, I was so somebody said that he should have been
0: uh a clone of Vader book.
2: no not a clone of Vader it is the the the, the very first uh, uh um not the emperor he was like Darth Vader before Darth Vader Darth uh Plague Plagueis, Plagueis or whatever oh yeah Darth Plagueis uh
0: Sidious yeah is the master
2: that's would've made more sense because we kinda of met everybody else. Mm-hmm. But now this guy's just a rich, weird guy in a robe who wants to see people in a red room fight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. That's a cute And now. they
2: made and they and they made this whole big thing about the chick from uh um Game of Thrones. I can't Gwendolyn, whatever. Oh, she's oh, gonna yeah. be this one. How many lines did she have? Did but, you know uh, that was her in that costume? Just one little shot. You see a little piece of... It, come on. You're spending money on people. Show the audience. Show who they are.
0: No, it's true. Phasma, Phasma was the, uh, the most overhyped Star Wars character since Boba Fett. You know? <laughs> and, and then the other chick that helped... Uh, uh, um, not Finn. Uh,
2: I don't remember. The, the, the other guy. It's like they took Han Solo and they made him into three people in this one. It was Finn... It was uh, um, uh, God. Why can't I remember oh. the other Poe Dameron? Yeah, Oscar. Yeah, R- yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then his girl in the movie, in the last one, it was what? Uh, um, Rose, uh, the, uh, the Asian, the Asian girl. No, like no, 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 not Finn. The one who helped Poe. It was she. She wore a helmet for the whole movie. Oh yeah, yeah. But it, but was, uh, yeah. But it's a big actress. Why didn't we see her face? That was um. Was it Felicity? No, she played Felicity. Uh, Carrie, Carrie, uh, Carrie, somebody. Oh, my God, I'm blanking out with you. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm, I'm kind of lost on it, too, because like, I know who you're talking about. I just can't think of the name. She was the one who gave him the coin. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think her character name began with a Z. Um, I think we did but see her face for a slight bit when they referred first just her eyes, just, just her just eyes. That was her, it. Her face, yeah. The the, the uh, face mask came up a little bit.
2: And uh, the actress's name is. Uh, she used to be on a TV show called Felicity. That was the show. And uh, uh, I, God, yeah. Any of your uh, listeners know that? They'll they'll write you in and say,
1: "Oh, it was what's her name." Oh, right, you know.
2: Yeah, I can't can't think of a freaking name. Uh, she's famous. She's 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 got nice hair.
0: I, I'm She'll, cheating right now.
2: That's okay. Cheating is good. Um, Carrie Russell. There you go, Carrie Russell.
0: Her her uh, her character name was uh, Zuri Bliss. Right.
2: <laughs> I mean, so Jimmy I <laughs> you had, uh, you know, Benicio Del Toro and an what was it?
0: We never Benicio, saw him again. Benicio pissed me off. I'll be honest with you. That was If there was anybody in this trilogy that pissed me off the most, like I didn't care for Rose Tico. God bless Kelly Marie Tran for what she went through for the Rose Tico character, but I, I didn't like the Rose Tico character because I didn't like the character, not because I didn't no. like the actress. But the, the character that pissed me off the most was DJ. Benicio del toro's character because he was a worthless character and such a predominant actor playing such a worthless character who was never revisited again was right. just, oh, that was such a piss off
2: right that was that was the, that was the whole series and and it just it just it just I would have rather seen more of rose 's sister yeah, you know she had nothing to say but see that whole it, it was like so exciting. You know, why can't we reverse the characters and keep this one alive? Mm-hmm. She was really good. And then the other one that uh, in episode seven, they go to the junkyard and she gives the lightsaber. You know, she got this big role. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, I want to know more about this character. than we see a little bit of her in the last one. It was like, what, what happened
0: here? What happened? Yeah, they, did, never did, they never did revisit to tell the story of how she even got the lightsaber, like how they found the lightsaber off of the, uh, the, the Cloud City of Bespin when Luke got his hand cut off, you know? You,
2: you know how I would have did it and it would have made sense. You would have wrapped everything up and people would have said, oh my god, I kind of felt that could have happened, but I wasn't sure. It's mm-hmm. a Skywalker trill. It's a Skywalker storyline, right? We saw the rise and fall of Anakin and then the redemption. And then we saw the rise of Luke, but we never seen the All right, he's a good guy. But what happens if he spent this whole time on this little island and he just started eating, eating himself up about stuff and he got so angry that he just ended up, he was the bad, he ended up being a bad guy. Don't forget the Empire Strikes Back when he fights Darth Vader and he chops off Darth Vader's head who's the face in the helmet? Exactly. Himself? If we would have wanted in that direction, oh my God, that would have been great. You ended episode nine on a, on a not a downer, but you're like, all of a sudden you see the helmet come down, like he's wearing his father's helmet, and then Darth Vader legacy lives on, and it's
0: Luke. Oh, oh. Well, for, 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 for most Star Wars fans, they know that uh, episode six was originally written where, Luke took the helmet and became Vader. At the, end of, at the end of The Return of the Jedi, he was supposed to turn dark right after Vader's death and, yeah. and proclaim himself the new Dark Lord. But, you know, they, they, because of the fact he never thought that he would do 7, 8, 9 at that point because he was so burned on the trilogy, <clears you> know, <throat> we, we've got to make this more of a happy ending. You know, yeah,
1: just, but yeah. but originally
0: it was slated that he wanted Luke to go dark. I think you're right. I think the overall villain should have been Luke the whole time. You, you could have played it out the way it did, including you could have had the, the force projection of Luke, you know, protecting the resistance and everything else, and then and then dropping an Octu, and in Episode nine, don't reveal who it is. Up just say Vader's return. You see, a hel- you, you, you hear br- the breathing and recordings of shit, but you never show it until Ray gets there. And then as battling Darth Vader, quote unquote, Darth Vader, that's when the helmet comes off and you see that it's Luke and he's been masterminding it. the whole um,
2: It would have been, it would have been awesome because the way you could have did it was you kind of had the writing there where Luke kind of protected the the often jedi kids and he fought uh kylo and he almost killed kylo mm-hmm. so there could have been this anger in him that built him up and then he didn't you know why why did that happen to me how did i get so angry to my old nephew you know because that's because search inside you my son you know <laughs> he's got it he's always got that that weird desire because the force was strong with this one, remember. So mm-hmm. he could have done anything. They dropped the ball. He became a he became Aladdin at the end of eight and just disappeared on his carpet. Poof, mm-hmm. his clothes and all it was like war in the Worlds. and you just see his clothes pop. You know, it's sucked
0: well you know what to, 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 to get off the topic of star wars somewhat but get back to your career uh it, it raises a good question because, that
2: sucks too no kidding
0: <laughs> because such, obviously you're such a huge star wars fan i could tell right off the bat um if lucasfilm ever called you and said hey we want you to do a star wars film what would you want, what type of Star Wars film would you want to tell? Like, what story would you want to tell? Something new and original with new characters? Would you want to fit it somewhere in between the sequel and prequels, or or you know, whatever? Like, what, what story and what character would you want to talk uh, tell? The well, of?
2: it would be uh, I, you wouldn't be allowed to create anything. You would have to go with Disney Law, uh, Lucas Law, whatever's there. I mean, would I I feel, okay, so they want to expand the universe and go in all these different stories and tell a Star Wars story. Um, you could do everything. But you know what I would always do? And, and if they would, Disney should really listen to this. You gave us nine movies. There are so many great characters in between. But how they dropped the ball is what they should have did. Instead of a Rogue One, and instead of a solo, which I kind of like solo,
0: but solo-,
2: all, though. solo bombed. I'm going to tell you why solo bombed. They should have put solo out Christmas time. They put it right two months after the world hated episode eight. And it's like, hey, okay, let's make you happy. Here's solo. Oh, great mm-hmm. that one too. Wait a year. Wait till Christmas. Throw solo out. It would have made a lot of money. People would have liked it. But here's what they didn't do. They should have did what Marvel does. And they own Marvel. Mm-hmm. Start with one nucleus and build off on it. You want to tell Star Wars stories? Who's the center? Who's the center of the Star Wars stories? It's not Luke.
0: Technically, it's the droids. Or? Or? Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi's another one. I would I would argue the points I would have argued the point of R two and three PO as they were in all nine films they've 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 kind of seen the whole story
2: right but you I would have started off with a Ben Kenobi movie I would have told you know and and this way he's setting the ground you know who this person is you know who that person is you know who he fought maybe maybe you do if you're gonna do some CGI shit go back and do Alec Guinness sitting there in a cave. You know, talking to maybe maybe right before, or or go back to the story where he's telling a young Luke. Right before uh, the days of the story, you know, when he first finds Luke after the uh, the Tonkons,
1: the ta- not the Tonkons, the, the Sand
2: people. Sand people, yeah. Go back to that. Start off with that whole scene where people will be like, "Oh shit, what's you know this this is this." Show the old version. I'm sure there's so many uh, uh, footage of film that you never put in that movie. Mm -hmm. You can go in that, go into the cave where he's, come, come inside. They will be back soon. And now you're in a cave. You're talking to Luke. The world news, it's a young Luke. You see Luke's face and then we go into a story. And it's all coming through Ben Kenobi's mind. He's telling the story about
0: everything
2: almost of, like a stand
0: by me where he's narrating his own past. Yes. Nice.
2: And I think the audience would be like, Oh my God. So to your question, if I ever get a call from George Lucas, that says, Hey, come to us. We want to talk to you. That's what I would pitch.
0: That'd be, I think that'd be kind of neat kind of having that, especially because I mean, I know they're doing Obi-Wan as a, a TV show on Disney plus, uh, with, uh, Ewan McGregor returning as, uh, under the role. Right. I think I think even under that franchise moment, I think that would be the right way to go. Kind of a stand by me or or bad news bears like reminiscing about the days of old. And it could be
2: anything. You could you could be and the audience would love it because number one, you got a little old back there. You still you still didn't let go of the Skywalker world. You're still there, so it's something familiar. You're not giving us something new that just says Star Wars and we're gonna talk about, you know, whatever. Because when you say Star Wars, you think of every character that you've seen over the course of 40 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You, you didn't think of, or uh, somebody says, hey, you want to see a Star Wars movie about a casino? No, it wouldn't be Star Wars. It would feel like a, a Star Trek movie because they're the guys that go into those weird, odd worlds and kind of, you know, find shit out and leave. Right. Star Wars was always about the underdog, the good versus evil. The, the, hey, I got to do this because I'm destined. You know, my father did it. His father did it. His father. You know, that's the type of thing. Then you got the guy, hey, you know what? I just want to put shit in my spaceship, take it to the other side of the galaxy, collect my reward and leave. You got those guys. right, You know, like I said, Han Solo movie was good, except for seeing Darth Maul. I I, I didn't understand that. I was like, wait, what? did How...
0: Darth Maul was fan service, and it was also to try to connect him into the uh, cartoons that they were doing, where where uh, Maul came back in Rebels to finally die at the hands of Obi Wan, um, in in the in the in the cartoon series. So it was kind of an interconnecting tissue for that. Um, it didn't make. So was see
2: sense. was was Solo? Because Solo's before. Yeah. So Solo's before, Darth Maul comes and fights uh, Qui Gon and. No no Obi-Wan. no no. no.
0: No, no. Uh, Solo is af- long after that. Uh, in the in the show, uh, the Clone Wars, uh, Lucas brought Darth Maul back with a cybernetic lower half. That he was found by the night Sisters on on, uh, on Dathomir, and they they resurrected and saved him. And he's been on a revenge trip for Obi Wan ever since. And he winds up helping build the Crimson Dawn criminal syndicate, which is why he's in Solo but really it's for Connecting Tissue that they released in Rebels, another cartoon series, where Darth Maul finally tracks down Obi-Wan and Tatooine, and they go to battle each other out. And then as as Maul is dying, he realizes that Obi-Wan is here on Tatooine protecting something, and Maul asks the question, is it the chosen one you're protecting? And Obi-Wan says yes. So in the cartoon series, besides finally killing off Maul the proper way, they subtly re- uh, retconned Anakin being the, uh, the Chosen One and actually declared that Luke was the Chosen One. Ah, As weird as that is.
2: <laughs> well, yeah.
0: But, uh, yeah, that, that was the reason why he was in Solo. And I'll be honest with you. When I first saw Solo, I hated too. And at that time, want, I want to be clear on this. At that time, I did not hate <laughs> The Last Jedi. I, I don't want to say I was indifferent. I liked The Last Jedi. I just hated certain aspects of it. But overall, I didn't hate Last Jedi at that point. Um, when I saw Solo, I saw Fast and Furious in space. And it was like, ugh. <laughs> yes. But that's it, funny. It grew on me, it did grow on me. There's still some aspects that I hated, like L three three seven. I absolutely, if there's any character I hate on, on in the Star Wars mythos altogether, it's L three three seven. That droid sucks. Um, but overall, yeah. At first, I hated I, I hated Solo. It 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 ranked with the Star Wars Holiday Special for me, but it grew on me. It, it really did grow on me. Well, you gotta,
2: you know. I mean, it's terrible TV show. But, you know, I mean, it was – it's like the Ewok movies, you
1: know? I mean, the Ewok (laughs) movies.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, Caravan of Courage. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. But to be fair, I've got to say it. Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie next to Empire Strikes Back. It was literally the movie that I never thought I needed. And quite honestly, I was, I was fine with the movie. I thought it was a good movie. All the way through watching the whole entire thing, I thought the whole entire movie was great. But price of admission was that two minutes with Vader in the hallway. That's all I needed.
2: <laughs> okay, here's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to probably upset you. Go ahead. I thought it was great. I thought it was amazing. Somebody asked me they should do a sequel to that. And I said, yeah, they did. They yep. said, when? I said, it's called Star Wars. That's the sequel to Rogue One. Uh, so so the one thing that just so you got rogue one takes place directly before star wars begins right awesome vader's flipping out killing all these people moving quick breaking necks throwing people in the ceiling then he comes on the ship and he's tired Think about the body language from episode one, uh, episode uh, four. Sorry, yeah, yeah, episode four. He's just walking, down, dum dum. <laughs> it's like, it's like they should have had him do that and then slow him down a little bit before he got to the end. You know, just mm-hmm. so it kind of merges perfect. Because it's like, oh my God, this guy. What is he tired? You know, he comes on the ship. He's exhausted. But he's here he- somewhere.
0: But it did. It did contact, It did. It did connect very, pretty well when, when I watch it. Yes, it did. Another, when Vader shows up and he's got uh, 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 Captain Antilles and Captain, you know, up in the air and Captain's all like the Consular Vader already knows that's a lie, and he's choking him out and he's got the anger in him. And then he turns around. And he's being. He's confronted by by Leia, and she says, "I'm a diplomatic mission. You know, person on a mission to Alderaan." he's angry it's like you are part of the rebel alliance and a traitor you know that's why because he saw the plans go on this ship he knew
2: <laughs> let me tell you that movie was brilliant who <laughs> you know that was a great star wars film great star wars film the only thing it needed was to crawl and the word star wars but mm-hmm. they didn't do that it was just yeah I agree. but it was it was that was a great. That's the prequel that we wanted.
1: Mm-hmm. They tied it in. So uh, well.
2: Yeah, yeah. But and and I loved, I loved what they did with uh, um, what's his face. Even though he was CGI, it was just looked great. Oh, target. See, seeing him back, it was just great.
0: You know, a lot of people. You know, I, I don't get this, and maybe maybe you can, as as a filmmaker yourself. You can explain this to me. I I understand the uncanny valley. I do understand that. And and I know it's mainly to do with the eyes. It's it's very hard to recreate the emotion that's in the eyes. But I don't think CGI could ever get better than what Graham Moff Tarkin was. That was there were times that with the right lighting, it looked like Peter Cushing was standing right there.
2: It was great. I mean, look, think about it. you may you watched three Planet of the Eight movies that just the apes looked amazing right amazing i mean we're at the technology now i mean we're 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 very close to where any dead celebrity can come back and be in a film well
0: i mean we live in a world where we can go still to a michael jackson concert thanks and elvis concert thanks to uh holographic imagery so why not yeah yeah yeah, I
2: just thought, I, I thought that was a great film. I thought, uh, um, somebody had, when, when I went to the movie with some friends, they said, I don't understand why everybody died. They had to, just <laughs> not in the other one. They had to die. Everybody had to die in Rogue
0: One. I think, I think, because, I, think it, I think it helped too, that to, to weed out some of the fake Star Wars fans is like, wait a minute, I thought they were supposed to be Bothans. No, that's <laughs> the wrong dude. Death star, idiot.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, no. But it
2: was, it was, uh, it was good. It was good.
1: Uh, one uh,
2: again, probably one of the best Star Wars movies out there, next
1: to Empire Strikes Back.
0: Man, like I said, it's it's my number two. Number number one is Empire. Number two is Rogue One. Then, yeah, New Hope, uh, Revenge of Sith. Then. Return of Jedi, and then everything else. Um, <laughs> you, you got, wait, you got Revenge, a, you got, uh, uh, revenge of the Sith? Yeah, wow. It's the Ewoks. Wow. It, it's the Ewoks and, and the special edition version of the uh, uh, Loppy Tech uh, song and, and Jabba's Palace. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, Jedi dropped down in the special edition so they took out Yub Nub at the end. Come on, you can't take away Yub Nub. <laughs> the, yeah. i
2: also did not like that they
0: cgi'd uh um hayden in there why well you know what i i read an article on why lucas did that because he felt that's when vader was last anakin so it's kind of a reflection of of him when he was at at last anakin but i agree i think they should have left uh who, who was it? robert Ch- no uh Robert, Robert Shaw?
2: No, Robert Richard, Shaw was Richard, George.
0: Richard Shaw. Uh, I, I forget his name, but they should have left Richard Sh- <laughs> They should have let the original Anakin in there. They, I, I do agree with that. Yeah. Hell, if anything, if I want to make an argument, I think they should have uh, let uh, uh, David Prowse be the Anakin Force ghost. After all the shit he went through doing the Vader costume and not even having his voice recorded, the payoff should have been let him be Anakin in the Force Ghost scene.
2: Yeah, but they, people wouldn't have known who he was.
0: But still, it would have been, it would have been something for him. You know what I mean? Like, right, thanks, for, thanks for six years of putting on this costume and being basically just a mannequin for us.
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> true. With- the guy walked around. I mean, it's just like Darth Maul. That's not
1: his voice.
0: No, no, not at all. But you know yeah. at least at least Maul got to speak with his you know martial arts, Ray Parks is fine not having a voice, but yeah.
2: uh, <laughs> I thought that was a great character when i when I saw episode one's trailer uh, i was I was like a little kid again, I couldn't wait to see it. I could not wait to see episode one and and I was so into it and then uh, I remember leaving the theater, and my friends asked me, and they said, "What do you think?" And I said, "I don't know i I know I enjoyed it, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, overall, out of one, two, and three, even though the third one I would say is like the Empire Strikes, I think I still like probably the Phantom Menace more than two and three because it's the first one of right. where there's the beginning line where we started. You know, oh, and, and you're watching stuff, and then it's like. There's certain things in there you didn't need. We didn't need to see ET's family in there. We didn't need to see Willow in there. We didn't need to see Mrs. Jabba Hutt in there. We didn't. So there was like things that was like, okay, come on, that's where the guys that work for George Lucas should have said, uh, George, no, no. Oh, I'm fired. Okay, but no, no, no.
0: You know I, what? Um, I, I got, I got to, I got to argue one point. I'm fine with ET being in there. Okay. it's I mean, a cameo that i mean but who it's a yeah but you know what you you literally just made et the extraterrestrial uh canon in the star wars universe <laughs> uh-oh you froze up are you still there uh-oh i'm gonna stop recording and we'll bring us back can you hear me yeah you froze up for a minute i stopped recording i'm bringing it back on now all right go ahead i'm sorry oh.
2: I, I, the one thing that I did like is I liked the, the I don't know what they're called the stormtroopers before the stormtroopers.
0: Oh, the clones.
2: They they kept breaking and uh.
0: Oh oh, um, the battle droids. The battle droids, not just not the clones.
2: I liked those things because they were just it just showed. Okay, we have so many of these battle droids, but they're not efficient, and and they can't do shit. So right. let's. Let's breed these people and, you know, and then put them in costumes.
0: And mm-hmm. it was great. No, that, that was definitely phenomenal. There were aspects of all the Star Wars movies that I thought were great. You know, right. uh, even, even in the sequels, there were, there were certain things that I thought was phenomenal. The introdu- a lot of people bitched about it, like in the sequels, but the introduction of new force powers, things that we'd never seen before, I right. thought that was awesome. Okay, yeah, it looked wonky to watch Leia use uh, the Mary Poppins pull-in, but still, it was a new force power. Luke force-projecting himself across the galaxy to make Kylo Ren think he was fighting him. That was an awesome force power. Uh, even the healing factor that Rey and Kylo both used in, in 9, awesome force power a little overpowered, yeah. but at least we saw something new and original in The Force. So to me, I took it as, as a fan, I took it as The Force Evolving. You know, I'm going mean? to
2: tell you what the best nine movies, the best thing out of nine movies is John Williams.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: John Williams rocked it. All nine movies.
0: Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's anything John Williams could do that's wrong. No. (laughs) No. Like you hear the uh, name John Williams and every film he's ever done, every film score he's ever done. You find yourself
2: humming and you find yourself humming. Mm -hmm. You'll be Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's kind of crazy to geek in me. I'll be humming uh, the Imperial March into the Indiana Jones team Mm and to Joyce into closing counters and DET into, you know, so it's like, you know. Poltergeist. Oh, my
0: God, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't yeah. Think, I don't think, you know, I, in fact, I challenge anybody who can point to me one John Williams song from any film, one song that was weak. From one of my musician friends, now
2: I, don't, I can't hold a note, I can't sing, I'm not a musician, I can't do any of that, but one of my friends said to me that every one of his notes, is, every song is in the, the key of G, they all are in the same vein, and if you listen to them all, they're almost the same, you know, mm-hmm. you can probably make one long song. But one of my favorite is not a, a non-star wars is a freaking Jurassic Park film.
1: Oh
0: yeah. It's
2: just a, I mean the guy the guy did the soundtrack to my childhood.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> not just not just ours. I mean again like my kids like my 10-year-old who you saw in the background a couple times I'm sure. I mean he knows John Wayne besides Star Wars. I mean he did Hedwig's theme the the, the theme to Harry Potter.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> amazing what kid today doesn't know harry potter and when they hear harry potter the first thing that pops to their mind is john williams hedwig theme. you know if if
2: somebody said hey i got tickets to go see uh van halen or buck bon jovi you know back in the day or
0: john williams i want to go see john williams oh absolutely I mean, I wouldn't yeah, just, say no to the other tickets either, but <laughs>
2: no. But uh, if I had a choice between the three of them, I'll go see John Williams.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I'll I be still, that. Uh, i be that geek. I still kick myself. I I got tickets back in 2010. I got tickets for Ozfest, and oh. I, I was down. You know, because I've been to Ozfest before. I love Ozzy Osbourne. Love the bands that were playing. Uh, Motley Crue was there that day, and so was Rob Halford. So I mean, right on. And uh, great concert, but. The same time, like that same week, Pink Floyd was in town. You know how uh, mad I, I was that I ran and bought Ozfest tickets and missed Floyd. Uh, <laughs> Floyd,
2: Floyd is—it's uh, one of my go-to bands when I'm writing. It's just amazing, you know. I mean, it's just wow. But well, here's the funny thing: I had tickets to go see uh, Bruce Springsteen once. Not and I was with uh, my ex at the time, my ex-girlfriend. And she was just annoying the hell out of me, uh, going on and on. And we're walking to the gate. You know, I I'm, I'm went through the security, parked my car, walking through the gate, walking through the meadow because we're playing at the Meadowlands. And I was getting to the gate to the Meadowlands to go in. And she's
1: going on and on and on and on.
2: All of a sudden, at that particular moment, there's a guy that says, hey, looking for two tickets. You have any? Yes sold my tickets to Springsteen. Oh. And, and, and guess where I went that night? Where'd you go? Go see Blair Witch Project.
0: Oh, I bet you were kicking yourself.
2: Wow. Wow. I, I gave I, up I, Springsteen for
0: Blair Witch. I will tell you this much, though, as far as Blair Witch. I've said that this, this is kind of where Breaking the Fourth Wall became that critic, film critic discussed show. Um, I've always stated that the, what killed Blair Witch was not necessarily the, the, the film itself, but the marketing of it. I thought the marketing was completely wrong. The worst thing in the world you could do was put this film in a the theater. When Blair Witch first came out, we're talking the days of Blockbuster and uh, West Coast video and stuff like that. Blair Witch should have been released on an unmarked VHS uh, tape that was just set in the horror section of, of Blockbuster and just start spreading the rumor about this found, forgotten footage film, and let it be. I think, I think that would have changed the whole entire direction of how that film was received.
2: But I gotta tell you, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't a fan of the movie, uh, but I was, I'm gonna fight you on that. I feel like we're like the uh, even. Uh, <laughs> I I Ewan. I'm gonna fight you on that one, because I thought the marketing was genius, because they made you think this was a real thing that happened. right? But not once. I mean, we all got sucked into it. We all, my God, did you you see that? That's real. And everybody goes to the theater, but not once did it ever say, based on a true story. Right. But the marketing was just, uh, it was as good as the original Batman. Not original. I got to say 89 Batman. Because you say original, people think, you know, (laughs) (laughs) The, when, when the 89 Batman came out, which to me is probably still the best Batman movie ever made,
0: uh, won't argue that, you know,
2: you know, and the fact that I'm hearing Michael Keaton is putting on the cape again for two movies makes me happy.
0: He's Um, supposed to be returning for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Flash solo film. Yeah, going to be playing the older, uh, the older Batman, the Ben
2: Affleck, the Ben Affleck character that was created. He's playing that guy,
0: right? Uh, and,
2: Ben pissed everybody off, so nobody wanted him anymore. That's why they they went to a whole different thing.
0: Now I don't know uh, or not, but I also hear he's going to be putting it, uh, not not necessarily putting it on again, but a lot of fans have been clamoring for a Batman Beyond movie, and from what I understand he is going to be playing Bruce Wayne for the Batman Beyond live action film. Eventually. You're talking uh, about Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, yeah, playing, playing the retired, older Bruce Wayne who passes the cape and cowl to Kerry, uh, Terry McGinnis, who is Batman Beyond. You know, I
2: heard. I heard about that, that he was going to do that. I also heard he's in the Flash movie. I also heard he's going to be in um, uh, The Batman. So I know The Batman is supposed to be earlier Batman, but I think it's him also thinking about stuff, you know, reminiscent. Um, and there was another movie that they were talking about having Michael Keaton in. Dude, when I heard all that, to me, Michael Keaton is Batman.
1: Mm. and
2: And... You know, I mean, he, he played him great. It he, wasn't he, like the costume goes on and his voice changes like this. He didn't do that. You know, he was still a tough guy. And to me, uh, I, I I think he was good. He was better than the, you know. Look, he walked away from Batman Returns because he wouldn't work with Joe Schumacher, and he didn't like the fact the way they were treating Tim Burt. So he quit. He was he, – they started filming that movie. They had him as the he was Batman. Robin Williams was the Riddler. And he left. You know, everybody left the movie when, mm-hmm. when Joe Schumacher came on. So out of the of Batman with uh, um Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, Batman Forever is the better movie of Batman and Robin. You know?
0: See that 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 was my point. That's why I'm kinda angry with you. Like, you know, I I can't deny uh Keaton's Batman. Keaton's Batman was phenomenal. My argument is I didn't think his Bruce Wayne was very good. Now, on the opposite end of the coin, Clooney's Bruce Wayne was phenomenal, because it was Clooney. His Batman was atrocious. I think out of of that trilogy, and I'm going to catch Flack for this, I know I'm going to catch it, but personally I think the only one that did both roles well, even though his movie was horrible, is Kilmer.
2: Yes. I I agree you know what's funny is Val Kilmer didn't want to put it. He was like, oh, no, I only did this movie just for the one. What, what do you mean you're playing Batman? You got you got to you got to you got to come back. Mm-hmm. So he was like, no, I'm only gonna do one movie. Why even hire the guy? <laughs> yeah. Why did they? You know, I understand why they hired him because in the marketing, if you if you cover his face, his mouth, and you put Michael Keaton and him side by side in the Batman costume, looks like the same guy. Right. Exactly the same guy. But uh, Batman Forever was a little cartoony and a little colorful for me. Um, And I know they they had to move Tim Burton off because McDonald's didn't like the way Batman Returns came out. And they were the biggest. It was bullshit. I mean, here you got the guy who created it. That's Mm -hmm. the funny thing. When you got corporations, this happens to me every day as well. When you got right. corporations uh, dictating to the director or anybody else about, you know, he you know, was a dark, you know, I don't know if he knows what he's doing. Where, like me, the crazy thing with me is when an actor, when I'm talking to an actor and the actor tells me, well, you know, I think my character should be, uh, I think he wouldn't do that. He would do this, and and I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, dude, the character was birthed in here, in my head.
1: Mm -hmm. I
2: know your character before you even read it. So if I'm telling you the character should be this way, that's the way you should do it. You know, I don't be, I'm not a a, a dictator like that, but it's just when I hear actors say that to me about, and it's something I wrote, you know, I, I think my character... I feel my character, he would walk in the room this way. Dude,
0: go take a walk, you know? Well, that that, that, brings, up a very good, that brings up a very good point, especially for a writer, director, producer like yourself. Um, now, again, this is coming from completely left field. I am in no way, shape, or form an actor or involved in the film careers. In fact, the only thing I have in common with you is as a kid, I used to quote every movie I ever saw. In my mouth. <laughs> And when I became a professional wrestler and I told my mother about it, uh, that, I would, that I finally broke out and told her that I was a professional wrestler, she uh, told me, I always thought you'd get into some form of acting. That is the extent of my acting career, okay? So take me as, as, a, as one step, maybe a half a step above a mark as far as acting is concerned. But right. I, I imagine even though it is a character that you designed in your head for an actor, especially like a method actor, to really understand the character, isn't it sometimes good for them to turn around and try to understand the psyche of the character in, in that aspect? You, you, you would
2: think, but uh, see how I, how I direct with actors is I always say, you don't have to say every word on the page. As long as we get to that element, as long as we get from A to Z, that's written. Right. But you don't have to you make it your own. If you feel, you you know, you you feel better saying, you know, hey, you got five dollars instead of saying, hey, you have five bucks, you know, the way you say, as long as it, you're saying it. But when you, I let an actor, because I'm hiring them as their craft, they're their they're, they're own talent, they're their brand, I'm hiring them to bring my words to life. and. I let them do their thing. I usually am not a micromanaged director, but I let, the, I let them do their thing to see if I see my character in them. Right. Obviously, they're already on screen because i seen something about my character in them. So now I'm going on trying to figure out if my character is truly in them. you know. And if I see a little bit, I'll let them do it. I, I see what they bring to the table. They'll bring their tools to the table. And then I'll stand back and I'll, okay, okay, I need you to do one thing for me. And I'll tweak a little bit. Let's try it this way. And we try to get to that one plateau where we're all, we're together, we're in sync. Right. Um. If an actor's doing it on their own and they
1: don't, ah, ah,
2: those are the people that I just go, note to self, never work with this schmuck again, <laughs> ever. You know? Ever. I mean, say whatever you want about me, pal. Ten years from now, you're not going to be, nobody's going to know who the hell you are. They'll still be watching my films, note to self. You know, and it's not being cocky. It's just, think about actors. I mean, there's actors, I'm not saying people's names, that work with big stars, big movies, right? big directors. Now they're doing signings, which is fine. I have nothing against signings because I love doing signings and then they're doing little indie films for whatever they can get. They haven't done a studio movie for years. Somebody needs to get in their little ear and say, do you know why you're doing this? Because you're difficult. Nobody wants to work with you because you're difficult. You don't listen. You want to do things on your own. You, you, you want to f- yell at the director. You want to yell at people. You want to throw coffee at people. Nobody wants to work with you. So welcome to Joe's Backyard Movie Theater because this is what you're doing. You know, and then, by the way, we need you to sign at the pizzeria uh, at three o'clock. Can you do that?
0: You know, so. <laughs> Sounds like you're describing my life. <laughs> I do the same thing, bro.
2: But, I, but, it, but it's just, I mean, I've worked with people where they're like, oh my God. How was he to work with? And then you lie and you're like, he was good, he was great, you know, because I'm not going to piss on the guy, right? But oh my, you know, but in reality, I was like, dude, yeah, get in my brain a little bit. Let me let me show you this guy in action. Oh look, oh yeah, yeah, he he did twelve out of that, at that uh, young kid. Yep, yep, and he threw the chair. Yep, that's right. That oh wait, 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 here's a good. Yeah. He spit at the actress. He saw that.
0: Yeah. Sweet guy. Yeah. So, oh man. Yeah. It sounds like personal experience there. Uh, no, we won't, a we won't, we won't, we won't dig for a name. <laughs> maybe sounds, a like, little. sounds like an experience instead of just uh, an example.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Might, might be, you know, might be, uh, might be a poster behind me over my shoulder.
0: Now let me ask you again, going back, going back to uh, going back to your career. Uh, and, yes, sir. and your motivations here because we did spend a lot of time which I have no issue with we spent a lot of times talking about Star Wars here not a lot about what you've done and uh, the genres that you prefer to write obviously as a director as a producer as a as a filmmaker director and even in in acting films it seems like you, you tend to go towards a lot of the thriller and horror aspect you did do say you did some uh, family as well but is that is that your comfort zone? Is that your niche? Is that where your mind likes to go mostly? Is it a suspense and thriller market? Oh,
2: I'm a I'm a storyteller. I'm am a filmmaker. I I love telling stories, and I'd love to tell any kind of story. Um, the, the what I've been, the genre I've been in, it has been thrillers, has been horror or action. Um, do I am I angry about it no I mean I absolutely enjoy the suspense to it I love making uh, people uncomfortable when I'm writing when they're watching something they don't know what's gonna happen mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything that's predictable I don't want to do anything that's cliche if uh, I, I've been given tons of scripts for someone to say hey do me a favor can you can you tweak this a little bit and, I, and I'll tweak it I'll fix it I'll make it you know, something good, clever. And then after a while, we're like, damn, I should put my name on it. But, um, (laughs) you know, that happened to me twice and I did it as a friend. And the next thing I know, I'm like, damn, I should have, I, I should have did something instead of the handshake. But, um, I love, look, uh, I love Hitchcock. I love Spielberg. Hitchcock spent his whole career on thrillers. Right. You know, Spielberg, spent most of his career on adventure, you know, and, and, uh, uh, a period he went through that you don't really realize, uh, as, as a fan, as you, when you're watching his movies, but family in my movies, there's a lot of things that has to do with family. Uh, Spielberg also, if you watch his movies, if you watch all his early films, there's, he's a child of divorce. And everything that occurred in a lot of his movies was all about someone leaving, someone coming back, divorce, what happened, you know? So that was going on through his whole life. Uh, Well, most of his life. I mean, the only one that doesn't have anything like that is is Jaws, but if you think about it, it is there also
1: Mm -hmm. where
2: the family moved away. They're in a new spot, they're in a new area. He's the sheriff in a new town. Nobody knows him. There's, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, his kids are a little homesick because they're missing. That's not the way they do it. You know, they're not. They're not from the island. You know, as he says in there, you know, we're not from the island. You know, you can't be an islander if you're not born here. You know, right. And then then he then he had the same thing in E.T. Single mom. You know, same thing in Close Encounters where you actually saw the family break up. Mm-hmm. Same thing with. Uh, um, uh, the Goonies, same thing in Goonies. Indiana Jones, great character, same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy was missing, you know, his father left him. So Spielberg dealt with a lot of, and it comes out in his work. Uh, with my stuff is, a lot of my movies is always about family. Something to do with family, whether, um, and it's not that that has to be the reason. It's just sometimes when I'm writing, it goes into that. Uh, a level or if I'm not doing my own writing and I'm directing somebody else's project, something attracted me about the family aspect, like the rack pack. There's a, there's a whole family aspect and kind of helped write a lot of that scenes in the film, but that kind of drawn me. Um,
0: When you say, when you say family now, regardless, regardless of of how uh, association or relationship to each other, you're, right. you're talking about the bond like we're going to get through this together whether it's a brother or somebody you consider a brother or if it's a nuclear family of husband and wife and kids or whatever there's always the bond that we will survive together we're always going to there's three
2: words that were uh, that appeared in a few of my films All right. family so. is forever
0: and um I apologize for the uh, technical difficulties, guys. Bear with me. We will get this back up and running. There he is. He froze up on me again. <laughs> that's all right.
2: Oh, sorry. I, I do that. That's the uh, it's my deodorant.
0: Oh, okay. Is that what it is? Raise your hand <laughs> if you're sure. <laughs> no, you were saying family is forever. That, that's where it froze off. Uh, family is forever.
2: Uh, fa- well, that's a good spot to freeze off on. That's it. Um yeah. Family ended the episode, is
0: forever. Right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, but that's what that's basically what I was saying is most of the things in my film are is fam family is forever. And uh um it's just you know, when you realize stuff growing up, you know, your 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 family's always around you. But as you get into an adult and you move away and everything else, you you, you kinda long for those times again. In um, a little little side note, my mother and I share the same birthday. Oh, nice. You know, uh, th- yeah, it, it's actually great. Um, but most of my life, there was always a cake that, you know, when I was a kid, it said, happy birthday, mom and Tom, always on this big cake. And when I was a teenager, I was a schmuck because I always wanted how come I don't have my own cake? You know, I want my own cake. <laughs> so now I'm living 3000 miles away from my mother and I miss that cake. Right. I miss having the happy birthday mom and Tom on that cake. And so it makes you think, you know, again, family is forever and and, that, and that's, that's the, that's yeah. But I do enjoy doing action movies I do enjoy doing horror films. Uh, I enjoy like the fam- when I say family movies, again, even though it's uh family friendly, um, the rack packs a family friendly movie. Uh, we just did a Christmas movie. That's family friendly. Um, so we, I try to do various things. If it calls for me and I get off at it, or if I'm writing it or if I feel it, you know, so oh, i'd like to try different things
0: well that that was going to uh two two questions I was going to come to uh, obviously obviously the next the next project you're waiting on to be able to handle it, obviously is chinatown uh to chinatown uh, well
2: that's that's not my next that's down uh i have I have about three projects that are that I have to do within the next few months okay. uh, so so and then I got four movies coming out. Uh, one of them is Big Freakin' Rat. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, there's a movie called The Step Daddy, which is a loose remake of the 90s version of The Stepfather, okay. uh, starring uh, Vincent Ward, who's a phenomenal in a the movie. There's a, a film called The Amityville Harvest, and then there's another movie called... Um, um, God. Uh, the Christmas Movie. Did I say that? The Christmas yeah. Movie? your yeah. Christmas Movie Rat. Amityville, and a Stepdaddy. Those four are coming out this year. Okay. So I'm excited about that. We just had Nation's Fire came out um, with Bruce Dern and uh, Chris Degrotti. Um And uh, there's a movie streaming on Netflix called The, the Hard Way that's behind me. I wrote that film. Um, I was supposed to direct it, but schedule. So I'm happy the way it came out.
0: Well, the two questions—the two questions I was going to ask—was uh once once these films are in the can and out, uh the four films you're waiting on plus the uh, the, the Chinatown to Chinatown, what would be next? Like, would you what, what would the genre be that you want to go to next? Would it be like sci-fi, western? Like, what would what would be i a, a I'd love
2: to do a western.
0: I'd love to do a
2: western. I got a great western script, but it's all about you know some of the people that I work with, some of the executive producers is it's all about what they need also. Cause I, I, work for a lot of, um, uh, distributors that handle certain things and, and, uh, they'll come to me and I say, Hey, what do you think about this? Well, I'll pitch them something, and they'll like it. And they will say, uh, can you do that? When can you do that? And so, um, I do, I did it. I did a sci-fi anthology movie with a few guys with, uh, uh, a, a couple of extra filmmakers, Joe Castro and Steven Escobar, It's Joe a movie Castro, called... We know. Yeah, uh, I love Joe Castro. Joe Castro did all my uh, effects for the last uh, seven projects I've done. Very nice. Um, he, uh, he did a movie, uh, we did a movie together called Xenophobia, uh, where we produced, uh, all of us produced a whole movie. It's an anthology. Uh, and we all directed a segment. Uh, I have... uh, My segment's the last one, I believe, out of that. That's a sci-fi film. Um, What else? Would I want to do a Western? Absolutely. I'd love to do another sci-fi, but right now I think the next group of movies on a slate is uh, two other horror films that I have to revisit. Um, There's a an action thriller that's coming up. Um, there's a comedy that I'm, I'm producing. Um, and then there's a, there's a few other ones that, that are on the plate, but we'll see where they go. Well,
0: you know um, what? I'm curious about the Western thing. I, I want to dig about this a little bit here. And the reason of being is actually the episode before yours uh, that is already released, uh, I, I revisited with a, uh, a predominant Western director, uh, Bill Foster. And okay. Bill is working on a new film, uh, getting ready to release uh, 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 Showdown of the Bonzos, as well as a brand new film, which uh, the title is escaping me at the exact moment, but he's, 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 in, he's in pre-production for this film as we speak. And I asked him the same question, because you are a Western fan, I'm going to ask you the exact same question. Which type of Western would you want to create? Would you wanna create a Western with known established Western uh, personalities, i.e. like Doc Holliday, Wyatt, or uh, Billy the Kid, or would you wanna create a mythos within that Wild West feel of an, a completely original character, un- unknown, untied into to the Wild West history?
2: Great question. Um, well, the story that I have that I want to do um, has nothing to do with like famous people from the era, but it is in the, it is in the same realm. Okay. Um, but I would love uh, to tell a story of something that we don't know about yet. Um, I think my favorite Westerns of all time. I mean, uh, I think Western movies are great, but I, I think the two, um, my two favorite Western movies, uh, I, I got to say that because some people will be like, what are you talking about? Right. Outlaw Josie Wales. Okay. And The Unforgiven. Those two, to me, are what Western should be. Then Silverado is a great movie um Wyatt Earp is a great movie. Tombstone is Wyatt Earp on Crack, which is great. I mean it's
1: just it's <laughs> it's
2: it's all action and great. I mean it's a great western. Absolutely great. But it's an it's a complete action movie western. Right. Um there's no I like I like story. I like I I mean one of the greatest things with westerns to me is the atmosphere. You just can't keep going and shooting people and fight, fight, fight. You got to – let's look at the landscape because that's what made it the great frontier, the beautiful scope of everything, the way they shot the movies. Just – you know who did it great? Tarantino. Did i – I'm going to say the hateful eight. The way he shot it was just – I wouldn't have did it in the snow – But I know the snow played a big part in it, but just the landscape and all. But his western was pretty much Reservoir Dogs in the West. You know, it was basically almost the same story. Um, But I would
0: give credit credit to Robert Zemeckis. I mean, even though the film wasn't necessarily meant to be a western, as far as like aesthetic wise, Back to the Future Three. I think take away the take away the, the the time travel aspect of it. And just the way he shot Hill Valley in 1885 was very much. Yes. Back to the Future trilogy
2: is one of my favorite go-to trilogies. If it's on cable, no matter what time of day, no matter when, and I must've seen them millions of times. Well, (laughs) millions is a little bit exaggerating, but I must've seen it just hundreds of times. I'll just leave it on because I love, I think Back to the Future 1, is a perfect film. Back to the Future 2 I can't argue is, a geni- it. is a genius film. Back to the Future 3 is a good movie, but it doesn't get the respect as the other two because when it came out in the theater, they did the same thing that they did with The Matrix. People don't want to see. if you're going to do part two and part three, wait a year. Wait two years, then put them out. You don't need to put them out Within five months, right? People are like, oh, oh, I don't want to see it, and that's why part two and three of the Matrix were like, oh, okay. You know, I can't wait to see the fourth one though. I'm I'm excited about that.
0: You know what though? I can't. I I, I kind of have to argue a little bit uh, for the Back to the Future. Yes, one is a perfect film. There there's there's no argument there. I think three was better than two. As much wow. as I it was genius, genius, I thought three felt more fluid than two. Two, well, well, two, two, kind of, two. two felt like it was kind of cramming a lot in at the same time. Kind of the same argument we made with episode nine, where yes. it, was, it was a solid story arc, but they shoved too much into that one chapter.
2: But you gotta, okay, this is where it gets really, really genius. They made two four years later,
1: okay. right?
2: Now, when they made two they had to go back. Everything had to be perfect. There is there's things in two that you don't even see in one. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch one, you're like, oh my god, how did he? I, that is, I mean, from the eye line, from the, the the way they stood, it's just the only thing they got rid of was was Jennifer. All right, out, you're out, gone. <laughs> oh, and and Crispin Glover, yeah. gone, out. You know, they should have kept their mouth shut because it was when the movie was coming out, when they were talking about it, the first thing they said, well, I want this much money. Bye-bye. Yep. <laughs> and, and 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 they get rid of it. I mean, people don't wait. They don't wait. Just let everything fall. I'm sure they would have came up to you and said, listen, we really want you in these movies. This is what we're going to pay you. But, you know, when you get on the phone and say, hey, I hear you making these movies. Well, my client wants this. Bye-bye.
0: But that kind of leads to another question I could ask, too. Um, and again, it kind of goes back to Star Wars to George Lucas. When Lucas did Star Wars, he wanted to use unknown actors. He wanted he wanted the story to be pre- pre- uh, predominant, so he used actors that nobody knew, or at least had, had little experience. He did, obviously, bring in Alec Guinness and Peter Cushing for legitimacy. But, you know, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, I know it's hard to believe, but back in 1977 nobody really knew who the hell these people were. So they were relative Whoa. unknowns as a director, as a, as a writer, do you prefer to use star power to help pro, uh, propel your film? Or would you prefer using relative unknowns to where they service the story more than having their stardom kind of, in a sense, uh, bury the, the story involved? Both.
2: Um, sometimes it all has to do with, uh, See, you live in a world where filmmakers no matter how big they are or how small they are there's always another person telling them what they need right so even spielberg even anybody else i mean spielberg will oh i want this person in the movie and then well we can't put that person because that person can't sell a movie you're gonna need to put this person in the movie so you get told what the distributor needs in order to um, make his list, make his laundry list where he can sell the movie. Um, Having actors, unknown actors in a film, I think is great. Uh, I think if they can act and they can do the, just like, just like going to get a little controversial here. Um, I'm all about when somebody goes for a job interview They should be based, that job should be based on quality and how their skill is in doing that particular job, whether it's a female, whether it's a male, whether it's a different uh, uh, ethnic race. You don't need, uh, 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 your resume should speak for itself, not some application that they're already pre-screening you. Before they know what you can do, right? Uh, You know, you're reading the application. Are you white, orange, green, purple, black, or blue? Are you South Pacific? Uh, Who cares? You know, I mean, can you? Why don't you ask me my skills? What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? Mm -hmm. Then judge me. Movies, Star Wars went basically with unknowns, but Harrison Ford was one of the only actors that uh, was seen before in a previous George Lucas movie. He was in American graffiti. Right. And uh, he got that gig because George Lucas was writing the script. And uh, at the same time as was, was uh, getting distracted by the carpenter in the house, Mm
0: -hmm. building
2: a door and that carpenter was Harrison Ford. So he kept looking at this guy, and he asked him, hey, you ever do any acting before? And Harrison Ford said, yeah, you know, I, I've done stuff. He was a bit part guy, uh, you know, I walked into an old film, and he's, he was a bellhop and one thing. But <laughs> it, was, it was the little click that bounced Harrison Ford around. George Lucas used him, and he gave him to his friend uh, Francis Ford Coppola who filmed an Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, Francis Ford Coppola gave him to his friend Ridley Scott. You know, put him in this. Put him in. So, before you know it, you're like, oh my God, you know. Uh, George, uh, Spielberg, another friend, put him in, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, if there wasn't that little clique of people recognizing your work, they won't be there. But having an unknown in a film is great. But The movie, the story needs to be spectacular for people to go out and watch that movie and buy that film. The original Halloween. Here's a guy, here's a director who is obsessed with Hitchcock. And as a filmmaker, when you look at Halloween and you look at Psycho, it's almost as...
0: Almost the same film.
2: (laughs) To the point where... You got Sam Loomis as a character in Psycho, who's the boyfriend of uh, the, the, the sister. Right. In Halloween, Sam Loomis is the doctor. You know, it goes back and forth. It's, it's just the same story. And in fact, he went so far that he got uh, Janet Lee's daughter in real life, Jamie Lee Curtis. A very unknown Jamie Lee Curtis. Unknown. Who knew, you know, put her in. The West, West becoming
0: a, uh, Stream uh, Screen Queen,
2: <laughs> and here's where we're going to bring you back to Back to the Future. Cinematographer on Halloween was Dean Kundi, unknown, pretty much. Right. Worked, you know. Dean Kundi went on to shoot Halloween, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future all you know spielberg all these spielberg movies here's a guy that made this little indie film and made it look so amazing we're also on to do back to the future went also on to do jurassic park when i don't know if he did et i gotta double check that but you know i mean uh so it's all about he was an unknown but now he's he's forget it it's dean kundi you know
0: exactly that, that's that's why I was curious, like, because uh, I, I know some people that, that that's a fear. Like, of course, you you know, a movie's gonna draw if you got Brad Pitt in it, because it's it's a Brad freaking Pitt, Pitt. Even even if, if the story is garbage, people are gonna see it because it's Brad Pitt. You know, I know right. I, I know I'm showing my age. There's better actors than Brad Pitt out there today. That's a name, but I mean, like, you know, it, that that type of star power that it services the film, but at the same time, it kind of drowns the story arc where as an unknown with a good story, like you said, the story will draw them in and then the character is not lost in the fact that you're looking at, you're, you're, you're not looking at Brad Pitt as, you're looking at this is the person on the screen, this is, this is the character, you know what I mean? Marvel
2: did it. Marvel took all these actors that were kind of up-and-comers, they popped up here, they popped up there, they weren't really big megastars yet. Not counting Robert Downey Jr. I'm talking about these other guys. And all of a sudden, you give them a a, a good story and an ideal character, and now they're, you know, kids know their name. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, Chris Evans had to start off in the crap versions of the uh, Fantastic Four.
0: Oh, come on. You know? No, come on. We got We got to be fair. Those weren't that terrible. Now that reboot, no, no, he was okay. The, the reboot
2: was terrible. The, the reboot, reboot was terrible. Was terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I meant. Sorry. So let, let me go back. You know, he he was, a, but you know, I mean, even like the Hulk. Look how many versions of the Hulk it took for them to kind of get it right and realize you can't make a Hulk movie. You can make a Hulk character, and people want to see that Hulk character in a film. But nobody wants to see its own movie because there's only so much you can do with the Hulk. Right. You know. But I do think um, the best Hulk, and he was stupid to walk away from it, was uh, Edward Norton's Hulk. Was great. That movie was phenomenal.
0: I actually didn't mind Eric Banner.
2: Eric Banner's not bad, but that movie was just boring.
0: The movie was boring. His portrayal of Bruce Banner, aka the Hulk. No,
2: not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all.
0: But you know, Ed Norton could
2: have could have got his career back where people liked him
0: again. And uh, I will I will argue that I think uh, Hulk standalone film would have would have worked if they would have led it towards uh, Planet Hulk. If they would have led it towards the Planet Hulk story story arc, I, I think that would work as a film. Especially maybe if that's got, coming. Especially if you get Mark Ruffalo to agree to do it, since everybody associates Ruffalo as, as the Hulk now.
2: Of course he's you know? he's played the character in how many movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, uh, people don't remember uh, uh, Eric uh, uh, what's his name? Eric Bannon uh, and Norton. Uh, yeah. They remember the storylines but they don't remember like was that was that you know was he in that one, you know, type thing. But uh I don't know what the Marvel's going to do with the new wave of uh superhero movies now just that their, uh, the next phase. It's kind of like who cares type of title, ty- you know? Titles it really like, is. Well, you it know, really it's really like well,
0: okay, truth all
2: be- right, maybe.
0: Truth, truth be told, as far as Marvel's concerned, one of my favorite all-time characters is Spider-Man, and I do know that Homecoming was a phenomenal film, and of course, you know, uh, Tom Holland's performances in the Avengers films and all that, and and uh, Captain America: Civil War, phenomenal. I own the, uh, the the Spider-Man Far From Home on Blu-ray. Truth be told, I haven't watched it yet. I own really? it, I haven't watched it yet. I'm told it's a great film, but I've kind of gotten burnt on Marvel, and the reason I'm burnt on it is because I don't know what the next story arc is going to be, and I don't see what you're going to do that's going to top what you've done.
2: Well, all the story arcs ended with... Uh...
0: <clears throat> With Endgame.
2: Yeah. So now everything's new. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they were starting off, we were actually gonna see a uh a Scarlet movie, but it goes back before the endgame storyline.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you know, and then uh um wait, he made two movies, right? It was Fall From Home and the other one was uh Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah, Homecoming was the first one, right?
0: Yeah, to which I give a hell of credit for is they started it off with him already being Spider Man. We didn't have to go through the whole Ben uh, Uncle Ben getting shot again, him getting bit by the spider again. We didn't have to go through that. We we are we came into a world where Peter Parker was already Spider Man. You
2: gotta watch that movie. Michael Keaton's phenomenal in the film.
0: I did. I I watched Homecoming. I never. Oh, I thought you said I haven't watched. Oh, oh,
2: Far From Home,
0: where he takes on Mysterio.
2: Yeah, that was. it wasn't bad. It was good. It was a good film, but Homecoming is a much better one. Just like to me, <laughs> I fight with all my Avenger friends. I like the one that was before uh, Endgame. What was the one that came out before Endgame? Infinity Wars. I thought that was an amazing film. It, it At the very end of that film captured so much emotion. And you're like, wow. Wow, this movie was good. Endgame was like, eh, it was good. It was a good movie, but. Eh.
0: The directors of the, directors of the uh, Avengers last two films. Uh, what, what was it? The Russo Brothers, correct? Yes. Uh, the end of Infinity War. The most heart crushing thing was Peter begging not to go. I was, I was crying. Like, I, I'll admit it, man. Somebody was cutting onions in the room next door because I was, I was dying in Infinity War with, with Peter. But then, like, a month later, the Russos came out and it then described what Groot was saying to, uh, to Ricky Rocket. Or Rocket Raccoon, rather. Excuse me. Uh, to Rocket Raccoon, <laughs> I was like he the guitarist,
1: isn't that movie too? Right? With you yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Told you, I'm an '80s head. But uh, you know, he, 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 you know, he's he's fading away, and he's Iron Groot, Iron Groot, and you know the, the way. Uh, uh, What's his face is selling rockets, uh, emotions, and stuff. When the Russo's brothers came out and, and and described that what Groot was calling him was father, dude, that destroyed me. <laughs> <Nah>.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah
0: that yeah. absolutely Avengers Infinity War again kind of making a callback Avengers Infinity War for the Marvel franchise is their empire strikes back and i will yes anybody who argues with me about that Yes 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 that was truly a yes. phenomenal film You
2: know the one thing with the uh, that 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 i'm interested in seeing but i don't want to see another reboot i really don't right is since Disney bought 20th Century Fox, they have all the other Marvel characters now. Minus they got this, they still got the deal with Sony with Spider-Man. Right. Uh, but they got the X-Men. And now they could put the X-Men in anything. But I just don't want to see the beginning again. I don't want to know again. You know, it's one of those things, like, oh,
0: come on. I, I would rather see them connect the, the pre-existing X-Men stuff into the Marvel MCU. MCU. Uh, that, and I think I think they have the way to do that. They've got Deadpool. Deadpool could connect it all in. Yes. Uh, but as far as the next phase of Marvel film, if if Marvel really wants to catch me, forget... Forget Captain Marvel. Forget the next Spider-Man film. Forget all those types of things. You want to capture me in the new phase and you want to to give me an anchor that'll make me say, now I want to see where they're going to go with it. Give me a Moon Knight movie. Moon Knight is Marvel's Batman. If you don't give me a Moon Knight movie, you're not giving me anything.
2: (laughs) I was just telling a friend of mine, you know, it'd be great if disney turned around and bought dc how crazy would they be to mix characters
0: i don't think it'll ever happen like i i could see disney buying dc uh dc studios but i i i don't think they would ever try to to screw with the comic book market and do the crossover between dc and- can you imagine
2: that can you imagine a world where you just it'll be like the a real weird version of the uh, can't call it Justice League because it's a whole different thing now.
1: Right? You know?
2: Can you imagine every character you know in there? You know this Ant Man's with this guy and this guy. Wonder Woman is with with uh, you know I, I, Iron Man. You know, and it's like wow, wow. So
0: anyway, I would I w- if if they did that, I would want to see I would want to put the rest the oh, DC versus Marvel arguments of who would who would win in a fight, Superman or Captain Marvel. Let them go at it. <laughs> if, if you're going to do the crossover, give me that one.
1: <laughs> True. True. Give me
0: that one. And I, I I'm sorry Marvel fans, Superman would whoop her ass.
2: <laughs> you know, the 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 one thing that bothered me um, with the uh, Superman versus Batman movie, and I thought it was just lazy writing. You had all these references that you could have used in any in, in, in to make the movie just immaculate, Im- 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 big. They stopped fighting because they realized both of their mother's name was
0: Martha. I get what they were trying to go with, but I agree with you. There was a better way they could have catalyzed that. But that wasn't my biggest complaint of the film. In fact, there's not much in the film I complain about, even in the original version. It was a little disconnected uh, before the Snyder Cut. It was a little disconjointed. But overall, like the Ben Affleck's performance as Batman has got to be some of my favorite Batman performances. I thought he was good. I thought he... I I, I, I thought Ben Affleck
2: was a good Batman. Batman. And,
0: was a good Batman. and you know what, when he was first slated to play Batman and everybody was all about, you know, screw Batfleck. But screw, I, was, I was the one that was sitting there going, you know what, look at what he did with Daredevil. The movie was shit, but look at his performance as Daredevil. He could do Batman, you know, yeah. and I was, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I was right. Um, but the biggest thing that I hated was the Lex Luthor character in that film. Was, <laughs> that it, was uh, what's we, his face, right? When you go from Gene Hackman and 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 uh, even uh, Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor on the big screen to that. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Jesse Jesse Eisenberg, I think, or something, something no. like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I I uh, I'm glad that you brought up uh, Kevin Spacey because. I thought Superman Returns is such an underrated film and the reason why it bombed is because there wasn't really a lot of action in it. It, it was, was, kind it was of a little bit more... Of, it was a little bit more... But, but Brian Singer kind of had the right elements. You know? Got John Williams' the score. He's got... Uh, he went back to the vault for Marlon Brand. It, it felt like somewhere between Superman The movie and Superman Two, the Donna cut, which is a better film. Mm -hmm. You 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 get the Superman Returns. So it's like forget about the Richard Pryor film. Forget about him fighting uh,
0: the Nuclear Man.
2: (laughs) You know who's missing in that movie? Rose from the Jedi series. There it's you go. It. <laughs> it's like, oh, what are you doing? Joe Benicio, tell Tor that one too.
0: Yeah. Just have Jar Jar make a cameo appearance. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> Ruin it all. Oh my God. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, I think, I think it is very much is an underrated film. And I think it's because of the fact, like you said, it, it kind of ran long and, and long winded and boring because it was meant to be more of a dialogue and, and, and a love story. film. Than, than it was an action flick, and most people go to see Superman to see action.
1: Right.
0: Um, but I, I do think it's an underrated film, and I'm not a person who absolutely hates three and four. No, that's wrong. I'm not a person who absolutely <laughs> hates three. I, I don't mind three. Four, yeah, that, that's hot garbage. <laughs> In fact, I should do a podcast one day arguing the merits of uh, – batman and robin versus superman quest for peace and see which one
2: <laughs> what a bag of shit oh and then you put that up there with beverly hills cop three.
0: Oh yeah yeah
2: i was a big beverly hills cop fan and then when the third one came out it's like even the story it's like can you imagine the executive reading the script and saying wow oh, this is a great movie let's make this film it's it's terrible all right well- it's a terrible movie
0: all right, well, I'll, I'll throw another one into that shit sandwich for you. Let's put another slice of meat in there. How about Jaws the Revenge? Uh,
2: Jaws 3D and Jaws
0: the Revenge. 3D still had a more merit than Revenge. I mean, it wasn't uh, great, but it had some merit to it.
2: Yeah, let's put, uh, uh, you know, you know what's weird? It took me a long time to like Halloween 3 season of The Witch. I hated that movie. Because, I hated uh, it, hated it, hated it. It he was like just wasn't in it, right? He wasn't in it. Uh, don't call it Halloween three, but I understood what Carpenter was trying to do. But when I watched it, I don't know, about five years ago, I revisited it. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's a great film. I, but the title sucks, but it's phenomenal. But it's telling you there, Halloween. They shouldn't put a third one. It should have just said Halloween. Season of the Witch. He's telling you, Season of the Witch. Because okay. each Halloween, he was trying to do a new story. But the studio wanted another Michael Myers. Just like uh, the other movie that's underrated, too, in the franchise of Friday the 13th, is part five.
0: I was just about to ask you that. Do you have the same feeling towards uh, Jason Live Or uh, A New Beginning? That, that's, that was the title of the film, Five. A New Beginning.
2: Five is a good film, even though Jason's not in it. Technically he is, but he's not. um
0: it's a copycat, yeah
2: I'm not a fan of seven, I'm not a fan, and I love Kane Holiday, He's my friend I, I'm not a friend of seven, I'm not a fan of eight, I'm not a fan of nine,'m not a fan of
1: ten.
0: I'm a uh, fan of ten i I agree with you a seven and eight and nine, but ten has that campiness to it. I mean, it's just on. too campy. It's too look campy, at part but...
2: one and ten. look at part oh, no. two. And 10.
0: Oh, no, I don't I don't,
1: three.
0: I don't watch Jason 10 with the same, you know, I want to be scared and, and, and you know, feeling that intensity of one through four or right. whatever. But I can watch, I can watch uh, uh, Jason X for comedy relief. You know? The uh, first, yeah. Now, the first
2: six movies were great. <laughs> I'm a fan of the first six
1: movies.
0: <laughs> I, I'm a person who still argues it should have ended at four. I mean, you called it "final chapter" for a reason. Hey, but, then we got the new beginning. <laughs> true, but uh, and then Jason lives. If there was any film, I think should in the horror genre that should never have existed, truly ever existed, in my opinion. This is my opinion. Is Halloween or uh, I'm sorry, Hellraiser Bloodline, the fourth that Hall- was directed
2: uh-huh. wasn't that directed by Alan Smithy? Even he thought it shouldn't have been made because oh. Alan Smithy's the name that we use when we know it's a
0: bag of shit. <laughs> when you put Hellraiser in space, come on. <laughs> you know, there's a few films I produced
2: and I, and and I did that, um, uh, <laughs> uh, because of the executive producers or the distributor, how to do it, change certain things. I wish I could go back and directed by Alan Smithy, but what can you do it's 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 done uh it's it's yeah yeah it's done
0: i mean it's very uh, to be fair and it's kind of when you brought up uh, beverly hills cop it's almost it's almost fair to say that by the end of uh, a franchise it's always almost always goes to garbage very few exceptions i would argue like lethal weapon i think stayed strong through all four films as an example
1: Oh, wait,
2: what's going on? I'm, uh, I'm going to end up losing you because I'm on uh, a low battery here.
0: Uh-oh. Uh, if, yeah. if you want, I, I would definitely say this then. If we're going to we're gonna lose it, we'll go ahead and end this episode here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they could find you if they want to get in contact with you and, of course, what you have uh, up and coming and where they could check it out.
2: Great. Uh, people can find me at uh, churchhillproductions.com. Uh, I'm on all social media at Thomas Churchill. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, just keep, uh, you know, coming to the websites and Facebooks, and you'll see other movies coming out. Um, or Google me. <laughs> I hate saying that. But, yeah, Google me. You'll see other things that we're doing. Um, where uh, there's there's a big freaking rat coming out this year, uh, the Halloween, uh, Halloween. The Amityville Harvest. Uh, there's a lot of cool things coming. So I'm pretty excited, um, and I'm pretty excited to see the next stuff that's coming up on the next slate. And, again, also keep an eye out for Chinatown of Chinatown sometime next year. And, you know, uh, it's been uh, an honor to be on your show, man. I, I had fun talking to you. Oh, well,
0: absolutely. I had a blast just uh, just breaking off. Normally, I try to do interviews on this show, but you and I just had fun talking film in general. I, yeah. I definitely want to invite you back on as a part two uh, interview to get into Any, the Anytime time you interview. want. Absolutely. Anytime you want. Absolutely. Thank you. I had an absolute blast. And, guys, of course, you can find this episode here and all episodes of Breaking the Fourth Wall right here on Realm of Miss Entertainment's uh, YouTube channel. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts, Realm of Miss Entertainment. And, of course, for our audio-only fans, you find us on Anchor.fm, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, anywhere quality podcasts can be heard. I will be sending you the links to all of them as soon as they are up and produced. Uh, And, guys, of course – Thank you very much for hanging out with us. Look for uh, part two of this interview coming out very, very soon, as soon as we reschedule one out. And I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth. Thank, Day.
2: thank you very much. Be well. God bless. God bless. Have a good one,
0: guys. and if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the Mist. and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode.